0: You're listening to the Bitcoin and Markets Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets, episode 40, April 14th, 2017. I'm excited. taking me a little bit of time to get this episode out, but there's so much that has been happening. Uh, you did, If you are supporting me on Patreon, you did get an episode in the middle between 39 and 40 here, so uh, don't forget that. A dollar a month, you can support me on Patreon. Okay, um, so much is going on. i Promised that I would do a show that was mar- the market side because when I started the show, I did I called it Bitcoin and Markets because I wanted to talk about geopolitics, traditional markets, kind of more um, Aus- Austrian economics, something like that. But Bitcoin just takes up so much of my time and interest that uh, a lot that stuff has uh, seems just not as interesting right now. So I was going to do an episode that kind of brought that back, but uh, after some feedback from a really close friend of mine, um, he was like, nah, you know, people probably listen to you for Bitcoin stuff. So forget about that and just content uh, concentrate on the Bitcoin stuff. That was good advice because this episode was going to be like an hour and 45 minutes. And I cut it down. (laughs) That that worked out well. But I left those stories in the show notes. So if you want to see what I was going to be talking about, you can go to the show notes and see that. I might just do that kind of thing and um, maybe mention, uh, have a short mention of some of the stories that are going on in the traditional space. Uh, That way, it saves me time. But for this episode, that's what I decided to do. Let's go into a market update. So bit stamp. Actually, I think I got this price from Bitfinex today, but uh Bitcoin is at 1215. We had a really strong run up from 900 up to 12 around 1250. And the price just hung there for a day or two. Right around 1230 to 1245, it wasn't really moving that much. It was just hanging there in midair. And of course, we had to have a little bit of a correction, a little consolidation. And I think that was very, very healthy. I mean, I don't want to see just a straight line up with no support anywhere and it just drops vertical. I want to see a stair step up, 5% gains, 2.5% pullback, 5% gains, 2.5% pullback. I think that's more healthy. But anyway, so uh, we have bounced back from that. We we bottomed out yesterday at around 1160. And as probably not coincidentally, 1160 was the all-time high from November of 13 on Bitfinex. So there seems to be some support around that area. And I think that's very healthy. Uh, to me, it feels solid. That feels like solid support. And uh, hopefully we just go up. From there, again, I mean, if we see thirteen hundred in like three days, obviously expect a pullback. Okay, so OK Coin seventy thirty five yuan. They are still lagging. They're at a pretty big discount to the dollar price, and you still can't withdraw. I mean, I think they have very limited withdraws from the Chinese exchanges. Um, one thing I want to note here, uh, real quick, is that. You know, we heard for a couple of years that this was the the China meme. You know, you had mining and exchange volume centered in China. This was a, this was China coin. Bitcoin was China coin. But now it's turned out the volume was fake. And a lot of us thought, thought the volume was fake for a long time. But uh, yeah, so now we know the volume was fake. And now it, it's turned out with this ASIC boost that I'll talk about quite a bit on the show today. The ASIC boost is kind of turning to me into like that this Chinese demand for mining is fake as well. The reason why China has um, been able to take over mining might not be because of cheap power or demand in China. It's due to this ASIC boost giving them a 30% discount. And we've seen foreign competitors not be able to compete with China because of this ASIC boost. So, I mean, that has pushed up the price. There's a lot of dynamics at play here. But it could be one man, Jihan Wu, that has centralized mining into China. And that could be kind of all fake. That whole meme is fake. It's all due to one man. Anyway, so that whatever local bitcoins seven day volume was twenty nine point three million that is they they are sitting around all time highs I think their all time high is thirty two million so local bitcoins that demand there on local bitcoins is strong the network twenty four hour volume is two hundred and eighty eight million dollars with the bitcoin transacted on the bitcoin blockchain uh, that is nowhere near an all time high I think all time high is high four hundreds but uh, you know, the average transaction still, uh, one thousand and ninety-eight dollars. So there is that demand out there. Okay, difficulty. Difficulty went up four percent. Nice, solid number, especially in the face of this ASIC boost controversy. Everybody's watching Antpool, and that's Bitmain. Their blocks. So uh, if we have the difficulty going up, that's a good sign to me. To me, that means that the mining is generally healthy. If you look at signaling for Bitcoin Unlimited, uh, which is just a stall signal, it's stuck at what, 35%, 35 to 40%, maximum 40%. So that's not horrible, like everyone's saying that. It's all centralized it's it's forty percent centralized, and that is enough to do selfish mining and things like that, but it's it's not it's not world ending, especially with everybody watching ant pool right now. We'll see what happens but the difficulty is estimated to go up another five percent at the next or sorry another three percent at the adjustment, and so that even The last two weeks away, anything could change at this point, but that is another healthy increase. Okay, Segwit is stuck around 30 percent. Um, I saw it as high as like 30, what 38 percent for 24 hour, uh, 24 hour signaling, so that was pretty good. But again, this user activate soft fork is going to be the way to go. A lot, there's been a lot of confusion out there about the user activate soft fork, uh, it is. The user, this, the UASF is just a way to force miners to signal. So it's a way to force miners to get that 95%. A lot of people are saying, would you rather have the 95% signaling or would you rather have user activate software? They're the same thing. It's just that one is being more forceful. The users are telling the miners what to do. And I, I like that. I like that idea. I mean it's only successful if you have a huge majority of people you can't pull this off with 10% of people there was also some confusion out there around running your own node and signaling user activated soft fork with your own node um, and some people are saying there's absolutely no value there I I don't agree with that Yes, of course, Bitfinex's node is going to be more valuable when it comes to act, uh, signaling this than yours. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, if five of these big nodes, the economic nodes, are signaling and nobody else is, then there's, it's not going to work. And yes, it can be sybil attacked. You can't spin up all these nodes and signal with just sybil nodes. But hell, we don't we don't see those kind of numbers right now. And I think this is pretty organic. People are spinning up real nodes and we will see once once we do the user activate software, we will see if those nodes are sybil nodes or if they're real um you know, relay and validation nodes. We'll, we'll find out. I d- there's no harm in running your own node and signaling user activate soft fork. And there, there's only possible positives that come out of it. Real quick, I want to plug Patreon one more time. If you guys support me, it's a minimum of a dollar a month to get access to that uh, content. You can... Uh, I recommend... Doing the $5 level because that helps me get to my goal. I'm, I need to buy some new equipment. Uh, you know, I want to get like a boom mount for my mic and some other things. I also want to be able to pay maybe a post-production person to do my editing. At least some of my editing. That way I don't have to spend so much time doing Everything, And I can put out more and more content. I think that would be a really good use of that. Plus, remember, um, once I get to $500 a month, um, which I might bump down to 200 I don't know, I'm going to be donating 10% of everything to worthy projects in the space. And I'm, the $5 level people will be able to vote on who gets that or at least recommend who is going to get that donation every month. So anyway, go to Patreon and also to the, um, create content creators out there do Patreon guys, because our listeners, there's probably some overlap in our listeners, right? And so they might not sp- want to join Patreon just to support me, but if you're on there and I'm on there, then there's going to be more reason for them to join and support us. So I'm speaking right directly to the content creators. I know several of you that watch or listen to the show. So, uh, Guys, join Patreon and let's kind of have a synergistic effect on Patreon. I think that's really good. I want to have this user-supported media. I don't want to go to news.bitcoin.com. I don't want to go to B- news BTC or BTC News, whatever that one is, where you're just bombarded with ca- uh, casino ads and pop-ups. I don't want to support them because they want to do clickbait they want to give you know blockchain the time of day when we shouldn't be giving blockchain the time of day so uh, you know this is the way to support uh, good quality media i think so content creators join patreon let's get this show on the road let's get the synergistic stuff happening and let's do it all right let's get on with the show Trending topics. Okay. So, what's going on here in the Bitcoin space? I'm going to run through several things. I have these links in the show notes. I try to do a good job of breaking down these show notes. Do it putting, I put quite a bit of time in there, providing you tons of information to do your own research. Please go there and do your research because I, I want a community. I want a Bitcoin space that is full of educated people, even if they don't agree with me, this is what, these are the links I find. And I think they're good for people at least to read. If you find links that you want me to read, send them to me on Twitter, send them to me through the um, website, bitcoinandmarkets.com. You know, go to this episode's comments, comment there, comment on SoundCloud, tell me, you know, share these links with me. Let's share the knowledge. Let's do our own research, but share everything that we find. Okay. All right. So what's going on? Litecoin is pumping. It looks like Litecoin is going to activate Segwit here in the next day. And it has been pumping. Uh, it's up to... Let's see. I link in the show notes to Litecoinblockhalf.com forward slash Segwit. They have a Segwit counter here. Um, and they are at 76.9%. So their cutoff is 75%. It looks like it's going to be activated on Segwit. and over the last few days it has really pumped up I actually bought some, went long um on my paper trading last night and I caught the little uh there was about a two dollar little jump there and I caught that because I was you know doing I was online and I was watching and this point <laughs> Uh, news came out that BW Pool uh, started mining their first block for Segwit, and so I went in and I went long on Litecoin. That was a good little trade. We'll see what happens. If if this does activate, it could be a sell situation. I would buy any dip, though. I would buy any say five to ten percent dip. I would buy that because I think Litecoin is going to be going up. It could have a quite a rise here, and the all time high is around fifty dollars. It's, it's possible that it goes back there, but it could stagnate. I don't know. This could be a flash in the pan, another pump and dump situation. So be aware of that. But I think this has a good, uh, this is a good thing to compare to Bitcoin because of the Segwit stuff, Segwit being activated, the price gets pumped up three X here. So the price went up, has gone up three X now from about $4 to $12 on Litecoin over the last several weeks. So if that happens to Bitcoin, we're looking at $3,000 price, three to four, and that's totally legit, but watch this for an example of Bitcoin. Okay, next, the Dash crash. I don't know what I was doing the other day. This was a while ago, last week or even two weeks ago, Dash dropped 30% in one minute. One minute, people. It went from 0.5 BTC or 0.05 BTC down to 0.035 BTC in one minute. In a one-minute candle, it's completely a liquid. People could crash this down in a second. One master node gets out and sells, the whole market's fucked, and the the chart if you look at the chart it's starting to resemble the typical exit scam of these altcoins the big pump and then the long drawn out bear market and it kind of looks like it's it's starting on that um, same with ethereum but more so with dash in my opinion this user activated soft fork game theory it's a reddit post that's pretty good and i'm just going to read some of it here with user activated fork running some portion of the economic ma- Uh, majority nodes and with those nodes orphaning blocks which are not signaling for segwit after august 1st the game theory for miners is extremely simple either signal for segwit and have your blocks accepted on all nodes or don't signal for segwit and have your blocks not accepted on all nodes and potentially permanently invalidated if segwit does activate so that's that's very very simple the miners have a easy question, an easy kind of game theoretical situation here. If if a lot of people are going to do this user activate software, which looks more and more likely every day, now there's a list. If you go to UASF.co, you can see a list of companies that have said, you know, the economic majority, a list of those companies that are signaling for this user activated software so miners have to decide they have to say is is it worth the risk not to signal for segwit and with the bitcoin unlimited numbers going down to 35 percent now you know they have their way big minority 35 percent is it worth them not to signal and some people say yes, because of ASIC boost. They they want to keep their ASIC boost, which we'll talk about here in a minute on the show. But do you want a 20% advantage of a, of a $10 coin? Or do you want to be on a level playing field with 30% of the hashing power on a $3,000 coin? That's That's the question here. So I think that this leaves a simple question, a simple solution for miners is just signal for SegWit. And remember user activate soft fork is the exact same thing as a miner activate soft fork, which would, is what we wanted in the first place with 95% signaling for SegWit because the, the users are just forcing 95% of people to signal and actually they're forcing hundred percent. So it's the exact same activation mechanism. It's just that there's a catalyst in there of the users, the economic users of the system are pressuring the miners to activate this. That's it. A core conspiracy. Oh, the Dragon's Den. This got out because Professor Seer, Professor Gunseer, he started talking about the Dragon's Den. And Bram Cohen apparently was giving some sort of. Uh, presentation where his window closed and his uh, internet popped up. He was on Slack and he was on a private room called the Dragon's Den with several other well-known accounts. And so it started saying that this was the troll haven, right? This is where all the trolls went to get their assignments to who to troll. What's the narrative? Let's go out and cause some mayhem, blah, 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 blah. Of course, this is crazy talk. Um, It was posted anonymously on Telegraph which is the telegram um, Anonymous Blog like it's, it's an anonymous Medium is what it is And they Just all are up in arms trying to force This issue like it is A freaking Conspiracy but it's Not it's just some dudes that have other Jobs and they go on there they want to Catch the latest news they want to talk with the people That they know in the space that they respect So they started this dragon's den Private chat room And they can go in there and and do this. It's interesting. Um, I think it's funny how (laughs) people like Professor Sear, they can't answer questions. But they can talk about other people being trolls all day long. They have a good question in their feed. Oh, you're a troll. Stop trolling me. I mean, it'd be much easier for him to just answer the question instead of making this whole big fud why would you make this whole big fud because you hate bitcoin and and he had more trolling activity his responses were more more trollish than the actual people he was accusing of being trolls and that's where you get in trouble when you uh, these are honest accounts they're asking good questions but they're accused of being trolls and so what they double down of course and they elevate this. <laughs> they elevate it to management <laughs> of the dragon's den. But anyway, that was just funny. Okay, next, so I linked a couple things about oh like let's see Professor Sear. Oh, by the way, he is funded. Cornell is funded. They're funded by Digital Asset, IBM, Intel, Fidelity Labs, and Chain. So they have an anti bitcoin funding group here or a blockchain centric funding and he's part of this he's getting his funding from this he's get he's associated with this and so he will attack anybody that is attacking the whole blockchain all the things idea anyway link to that also in the show notes more vinny fud if you guys have listened to my podcast you know I've had a back and forth with Vinny Lingham. He is out of my league, obviously. He's a big VC shark person. Okay, I understand that. But I'm going to call people out if I see this shit. And maybe that makes me a troll, but I'm going to call him out because it's bullshit. He's casting FUD everywhere. And I cannot wait for all-time highs because I'm I'm going to give him so much shit for all his talk. So... He quoted a tweet from Jihan, his buddy. man, nah, I don't know if it's buddy, saying like Jihan was saying, "We are preparing a user-activated hard fork uh, if the soft, the user-activated soft fork goes through." So again, Jihan is making these threats, and Vinny Lingham is giving him credence. He's saying, "I don't doubt this threat," and I immediately responded, like. Seriously, a couple minutes later, I said, Vinny, what are they going to hard fork to? What implementation? BU is not ready. Has he ever followed through with any of his many, many threats? And Vinny says, uh, it's not just as simple as that. Okay, fucking great, Vinny. Tell me then. We can fill in the blanks here, buddy. Just tell us, like, give something. What implementation? You don't have to say who's doing it. Like... Is it Bu? Is it Bitcoin? Is it classic? Classic is supposed to be forking, right? Is it classic? Just give us something or else it's FUD. Do you understand what FUD is? FUD is when it's unsupported fear, uncertainty, and doubt. You are saying this with zero evidence. And it is beyond belief that that is possible right now. Nobody believes you. Why would you tweet something like this to cast some doubt, to, to use your fame and your success, your cr- credentials to dump the price. Give me a frickin' break, man. Give us some evidence other than your word that doesn't match with our reasoning. We have brains, Mr. Lingham. We, the plebs out here, we have brains. We can think, Throw us a bone. What do you, what just give us something? But you're giving us nothing. You're just saying, Fear, fear this. Oh, don't doubt this. This is going to be bad. And there is much, much uncertainty in the market. And this is going to crash and flames and Armageddon. Just a bunch of BS, man. You got to give us something or else you look silly. (laughs) Okay, that's all for that. All right, now let's get on to Ethereum. Ethereum had some major kind of things going on uh, recently. Matchpool, which was one of their ICOs 24 hours after they launched this, the uh, one of the main guys quit claiming that the CEO was doing some shady ass business with the funds and yada, yada, yada. I linked to that in the show notes. You can look up that. But, you know, these ICO horror stories are going to continue. Another bad news article for Ethereum. I link in the show notes under the little, uh, title, Ethereum is this close. So what happened was on Poloniex, there was a flaw in the standard code to list these products, these Ethereum tokens, and it had to do with solidity. Hello, fucking programming language. The basis of all this shit uh, runs on EVM. Anyway, there's a problem in Solidity where it took a 20-character address to do this certain transaction, but it didn't check that it was 20 characters. So you could put, you could do a smaller one, and it would uh, bump the value up. And it said that the value, and it specifically happened on the Gollum token, which we talked about last episode, which is a decentralized computing token, okay, that has no use case other than fucking trading. 100% of Gollum tokens are on the goddamn exchange. Or in the founder's pocket. Waiting to go on the exchange. But it, the the address got shortened on this malicious transaction. And the amount of Gollum was so high that it couldn't complete the transaction. So it kind of pinged their you know, fault here. But you can see where that that's a big exploit. And so they told all, all these people, and I, I, I do applaud the Gollum developer here that is in this story because they were watching this, they found their own bug and they reported it to Poloniex that this was happening and stuff. So I do support them for being on top of this. He's probably a pretty good developer. I wish he was on Bitcoin and not on freaking Gollum. But uh Yeah, so I had to give him props for that, even though their tokens never gonna work and that their system, though, is grandiose and uh, good in its intentions, probably will never work either. So I wish that they would just cut their losses on that and work on Bitcoin. But yeah, so Bit- Ethereum is this close. There is a bug out there that's going to fuck an ICO, that's going to fuck this exchange and crash the exchange or crash crash uh, the EVM or, or do some crazy shit and... and Ethereum is that close, okay? Those bugs are out there. <laughs> Another thing about Ethereum that came out was that they aren't going straight to proof-of-stake. <laughs> so a lot of people in the space have said they can't go to proof-of-stake. It's economically impossible to go to proof-of-stake. But it looks like they're they're still wanting to go there. Um, but now they're going to have a little, you know, half step in between, and that is going to be going to a hybrid proof-of-work proof-of-stake. Uh, It makes me think of Dash, okay? But um, that came out, and a lot of people were like, are you serious? What's going on here? And then, of course, the the tens of accounts that are old-school Ethereum people are like, well, this was the original plan. Then they thought they could do it without a half-step, or they thought they couldn't do the half-step, so they were building for the whole step. And then now uh, Ethereum Classic, I guess, did something like this the half step so they were like okay we could do this now so now they're going to do the half step again it's just crazy these guys are flying by the seat of their pants they don't know what's going on they don't know why first off ethereum has value they don't know so many basic questions okay that's for trending topics now let's go a little bit longer form let's talk about some other things Let's, I want to give you an update on the extension block thing because um, I did a Patreon episode that, you know, within 24 hours of the Bitcoin thing dropping, and uh, there was quite a few questions, quite a few people were contacting me, um, and a lot of people were looking for the episode because I had tweeted out something about it, and so they were, they were wondering where it was, and uh, that's where it was, it was on Patreon, so if you want to listen to that like Timely—that's that's the most timely thing I've done in a while. But uh, if you want to hear some timely things, you know, join Patreon because I'm going to be putting that stuff out. And then later on, I will come back and update you on the free podcast. Okay. Anyway, let me play you a snippet from my Patreon episode. And remember, this is before ASIC Boost was made public, so keep that in mind. All right. So what happened? I'm going to go through a timeline and then do a little bit of explanation. So. Um, the bitcoin development grant that is a fund that's put together by jihan and Ver, the cabal the bitcoin cabal they put this together this fund together they gave funding to three projects bitcoin bitcoin classic bitcoin unlimited and bcoin we did not know at the time that it was Bitcoin that came out later we knew about classic and unlimited but uh, bcoin was kind of secretive about this um there was some controversy at the time back in january when this was getting getting passed around or getting um awarded to these these projects uh, many companies either pulled their names off of the list of supporters for this grant or they refused to re- sign it in the first place they saw it Uh, At the time, as very politically motivated and not healthy for Bitcoin. Look at the link from Cointelegraph. Slushpool CEO on there is saying, this is totally political. I'm not signing this. Mycelium, to their credit, pulled out. They said, don't put my name on this. Don't put our company name on this. This is a political attack on Bitcoin by this development fund. They funded these three companies. Classic has recently came out and said they're going to just straight up fork off the network. So there's that angle. Bitcoin Unlimited has been fighting this hard fork battle for a long time. And now Bitcoin is giving this soft fork idea. Okay, so don't get it twisted. This is an attack by these three companies. It's a simultaneous attack. Bitcoin Classic got leaked that they were going to fork off. That was a leak. Someone probably inside was like, this is unhealthy for Bitcoin. I have to leak this. Bitcoin Unlimited sucks balls, okay? It sucks. They have paid shills supporting Bitcoin Unlimited. And we'll talk about them here in a minute. And now Bitcoin comes out. On April 1st, there was a weird block that was mined by F2Pool, I think. And it looked like an extension block. It had like EXTBLK extension block in the coinbase transaction and there was some other script that people were thinking was odd Uh, so that was mine on the first of of april but it turns out that was a uh, supposedly an april fool's joke which i kind of believe that part of it but it proves that they knew something they knew something was coming shortly and you can look at that block to kind of see what this looks like i linked to that in the show notes this essentially gives miners control over layer two by pushing it to layer three. And remember, miners don't want to scale. They don't want lightning network because they won't get the fees for it. They've been blocking everything. BU was a, just a stalling tactic. They've been blocking scaling. They hate layer two. They want to keep one megabyte because they want fees to get more expensive. This is a very, very dangerous situation here. If you let layer two be controlled by the miners, let Segwit and Lightning be controlled by miners. This is very dangerous. So they, instead of going through this long drawn out process, long secure drawn out process, what they did was they, they contacted the media and the miners first they contacted the miners because in the media stuff when they talked to these uh members of the media to write articles on them when they released they said the miners are all with us which we've heard that claim before people it's a lie it's bullshit they don't have fucking miners the only miners they have are is bitmain guaranteed and bitmain's going to try to strong arm people through their supply because they are the biggest supplier But they don't have the miners. That's a fucking lie. Anyway, they told these media people they had the miners and uh, don't talk to anyone close to core quote. Don't talk to anyone close to core because they didn't want this to leak. They didn't want the peer review. They didn't want people to look at them and know what they're doing and see the background and connect all the dots, follow the money. They didn't want that to happen. Jihan was ready for this, though, and it shows the close working relationship here between Jihan and Bitcoin. This is not some um, apolitical soft fork. This is a very closely orchestrated, carefully orchestrated release and uh, project headlined by the Bitcoin cabal, which is Jihan and (laughs) Ver. So I tried to rally the troops there. Okay. I think it's very important to get on top of this, especially now that Roger Ver has come out of his, out of hiding. I heard he had some personal, um, big personal events in his life just now. So, um, I, I understand that he's taking time, a little bit of time off. It just happens to coincide with a lot of this controversy, but, um, you know, with him coming back to the scene now and talking about ASIC boost and, this whole whirlwind that we're going through. Um, it's, it's very important to hold their feet, feet to the fire. And uh, I was in a self-imposed Ver boycott. I tweeted out that I am now out of my boycott because I just wanted to see his reaction to what's going on. I've heard his same talking points for 18 months. He's had the same. I mean, you could play, you could play a, a Roger Ver interview from late 2015 Uh, today and it would be the exact same talking points exactly so i mean i've heard everything he's had to say multiple times over this is something new i wanted to hear what he had to say about asic boost and he's now come out of his silence and he's like this is a non-issue people this is some people trying to make this political yada 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 i thought it was hilarious because a lot i went out and and tweeted several things um at him saying that corrupt Roger Ver, I agree with ASIC boost. It's a non-issue. The entire community, WTF. Everybody knows that this is unfair. And with the libertarians and the anarchists out there, we our big issue is that it's patented. Well, that's that. Well, not our big issue. That is one of the, Two main complaints I have about ASIC Boost. One is that it's patented. So um, people cannot compete freely. And Roger Ver, somebody found a quote. Let me see which uh, which freaking account it was that found this because this was a great find by this person. Um, Bit Consultants, I think. Let me just find it. Damn it there we go yeah uh, at bit consultants they they found a, a quote from him in a bitcoin magazine article that says this quote patents are an illegitimate grant of monopoly privilege by the state and i think all libertarians and anarchists can agree with that so we don't like asic boost on those grounds one of them not only those grounds but that is one of the big issues because miners cannot compete Miners would have to risk being in violation of this patent to compete, right? So that's one issue. The, other, the my biggest issue, though, and this is coming from um, maybe not an anarchist point of view, but a a uh, po- it is a political point of view. I think that they he has been lying the whole time. Jihan Wu, Emperor Wu, has been lying the whole damn time about why they are against Segwit. And this is so obvious to everybody. 95% probably, something around there, of people in the community know that they've been delaying scaling because of this damn ASCII ASCII, boost advantage. I say ASCII boost in my head for some reason. ASIC boost advantage. That's why they have been delaying this the whole time. Guaranteed. And it's plain as day for everybody to see. They knew about this. This uh, uh, Olivier Jansen or whatever his name is, this big classic, uh, Bitcoin classic moron that's out there. He tweeted two days after this patent filing by, by Bitmain that... Um, the next topic out of core camp is going to be that they're using patented. What word am I looking for? That they're using patented optimizations on their chips. He tweeted that two days. That's March. He tweeted that on March 13th or sorry, fuck May 13th of last year and May 11th is when they filed the patent and Olivier has been all up with Roger Ver, all up with him. They are the collusion experts here on the Classic, Unlimited, uh, Bitmain. They're all colluding. It's all a bunch of corruption. Roger Ver has known about this. Jihan Wu has known about this. That they're getting getting a patented advantage in their chips. It's just so damn blatantly obvious to everybody out there that the more that Roger says it's a non-issue, the more credibility he loses. He already is at like Baseline credibility because, you know, he has the credibility of he, he's not quite, he's getting close. And some people he is an evil villain, but he's, he's not quite there yet. But if he continues with this, that it's not a non issue, that he has no problem with the goddamn patents. He has no problem with goddamn Bitmain, uh, using this covertly and being the reason why they will not back Segwit because Segwit breaks ASIC boost. If he continues with that line of rhetoric and reasoning in public, he is going to become an evil villain. He will be attacked in the press. He will be attacked by content creators. He will be attacked everywhere. This actually puts into better context this Whalepool interview that he did uh, or sit down with Whalepool, um, where he would not back, he would not say that he would back Segwit. And when they pressed him on the issue, why? Why will you not back Segwin? Why? But why, Roger? And I remember Phil Potter basically getting in his face. Roger, why? Because he said, yes, it's a good technical solution. Yes, it's better than Bitcoin Unlimited probably at this point. And why, Roger? Won't you back it? And he's, he gave some silly ass answer. The core devs were mean to me. They didn't listen to me. It was so adolescent at the time. It struck me as weird because he's a grown man. He's a very smart guy, I think. Um, I did a show on it, and um, I couldn't believe that he was doing that. But now that answer makes sense. Because he had to come up with something on the spot. He couldn't talk about ASIC boost. So he had to come up with something lickety-split. And now we can see all the puzzle pieces are getting put together. They have been opposing this for a long time. Because how long does it take for an ASIC chip to get manufactured? A while. Okay, so maybe they, you know, at least a year probably for the whole process. And um, so they probably knew about this uh, ASIC boost that they're putting in their chips for over a year before they filed the patent. So that we were talking about like May of 2015. And how long has this whole debate been going on? Well, since about May of 2015. So all the puzzle pieces are coming together. He, they're... I hate this shit, man. Because even, this is the same with Raj, uh, uh, Eric Voorhees. You have to parse everything that he says, and you have to pick apart everything that he says. That um, I tried to call him and say that he was a he was business associates with Jihan Wu, right? And that was the wrong words and the wrong person. But he was like, "No, I am not. I've never been business associates with." Jihan, I was like, well, what about Bitmain? No, I've never been business associates with Bitmain because I used, I was using the wrong words, right? He's being, he is avoiding the question. And so I asked him about MG, MGT, which he is an advisor on the advisory board for, and they signed a deal with Bitmain for a bunch of chips, a bunch of ASICs and S9s or whatever for their mining facility up there in Washington. So that's a link, right? That's what I would consider business associates or an association with a connection to, but he can get out of it. He can slime and wiggle his way out of it because he'll say, I am not a business associate with Jian Wu, because he's not, but there is definitely a connection and same with Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been called multiple times about taking money from Bitmain and they continue to say we have never taken money from bitmain we don't know what you're talking about then it uh, then it arose that yes they did they had dinner and they got a mining a miner from them one one s9 or something and so yeah okay now it comes out that they were lying that they did get some stuff from bitmain and people were like okay well it's not bitmain but it's that bitcoin development grant and i brought that up on the patreon episode That is the Bitcoin Bitcoin development grant that gave money to Classic, Unlimited, and Bitcoin. And look at the adversaries to SegWit because SegWit breaks ASIC boost. And the minute that Bitcoin came out with their um, extension block idea, Jihan was ready to go. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's tweet. I support it. Uh, this is great idea. You know, this is the way forward and all the shill counts came out. Let's, let's go. This is great. Congratulations. Bitcoin. Good job. Let's show what diverse uh, development is all about. Yada, yada, yada. With Bitcoin's one man development team. And I really like, I've never met JJ. I've only seen him a couple times and listened to him a couple times. I like the guy. Okay, he's a likable personality. He's a great developer. But that doesn't change the fact that Bitcoin was created by one stinking developer. One stinking developer in two days. And if you want to gamble your goddamn Bitcoin on one developer in a two-day weekend project then go right ahead and, and support extension blocks now. It's a different story if you're going to support extension blocks. Hey, let's let's do this for 12, 24 months. Let's test this. Let's get a roadmap. What comes after extension blocks? And I even said that, I think I said that on some tweet, that it would make a difference if Bitcoin... In their launch, they would have said, okay, here's what we have for the community. This is our roadmap for the next 24 months. We think that it's good. You know, after extension blocks, we're going to do this. We have plans for this and yada, yada, yada. I think this is the way forward. No, they didn't do that. They dropped it on saying, this is an alternative to the scaling debate. Boom, political, done. And someone said, well, they're they're bypassing the... um." the BIP process, because it's centralized and the core developers won't listen to your ideas and they your BIP will die. <laughs> there is a reason for this development process. Because it, it keeps things from getting political. And this shit needs to be tested. There's a reason for it. And look at Mimblewimble. They, somebody dropped Mimblewimble anonymously onto the mailing list, and it immediately got started working on it. Probably tens of devs out there, of high-level devs, are working on Mimblewimble. If you would have had this extension block idea for Bitcoin and dropped it on the mailing list, or put it on, put it a BIP, whatever, if it is good, people will work on it. I mean, yes, they have some vested interest in keeping their roadmap complete. And you are competing against their roadmap. If you have a single change, like a single thing like this extension block idea, um, you are competing against an entire roadmap. So you need to do something against that. Like uh, if if I'm playing football and I have 11 men on uh, the opposing team and I bring on t- one guy, they're going to be like, no, we can't play this game because that, that's not the way the game works. You need to compete with the roadmap in general. Okay. There's a reason for this. You made it political on purpose. You knew what you were doing, Bitcoin, and you still made it political. So this ASIC boost, there's two reasons that I don't like it, and I think many in the community don't like it. One is from the libertarian anarchist perspective of do liking, not liking patents, that it, it keeps competition out, and this will centralize the fuck out of mining. Okay. the second thing is that it shows they were lying the whole damn time. And it exposes this whole conspiracy and corruption behind at least Bitcoin Classic and Bitcoin Unlimited. And how could you believe them? Bitcoin Unlimited is crap code. It is bullshit code. There's no way that that even needs to be in a debate with against CORE. The only reason it's in a debate is because it doesn't break ASCII boost, or ASCII boost, goddamn, ASIC boost, and they can push it through politically. Roger has backed himself into a corner, and he's got to get out somehow.
1: April 4, 2017, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad, on the verge of a military victory against the terrorist insurgency in his country and on the eve of peace talks that would secure his position as president, decided to use chemical weapons he didn't have against a target of no military significance in front of as many cameras as possible to cross the one red line that would ensure his own government's downfall. Soon after, the Academy Award-winning White Helmets, noted for their Oscar-worthy performances, persistent proximity to Al-Qaeda, and financial dependence on U.S. aid, bravely risked their lives, handling Syrian victims barehanded against every protocol in the book. Without presenting a shred of evidence, President Donald Trump boldly launched a military strike against Sheirat Airfield because... National security interest, Promising to help the... Beautiful babies. Offer does not apply to babies in Gaza, Yemen, Pakistan, or basically anywhere else. That military strike, a volley of 59 Tomahawk land-attack missiles of which 23 actually made it to the target, failed to take out a single runway or even keep the airbase from operating for even 24 hours, but was a complete success for ExxonMobil, Raytheon, and Donald Trump. No one could question the wisdom of striking Syria, except Donald Trump, and no one could oppose such a move, except Russia. The Trump train, still convinced by candidate Trump, And by listening
0: to guys like Lindsey Graham drop bombs here, drop bombs on Assad, drop bombs on ISIS, oh, but they're fighting each other, so maybe we shouldn't do that. And... So could you convince Putin to get Assad to step aside?
1: Well, they've been trying to do that. Could
0: I... I don't think it's that important, to be honest with you. I think, mm-hmm. frankly, let's say you get rid of Assad or you knock out that government, who's going to take over? The people that we're backing? And then you're going to have, like, Libya? Mm-hmm.
1: Concluded that this was seventh-dimensional backgammon to make China afraid of the U.S.'s willingness to spend $100 million in a fearsome show of failing to destroy a single airfield. Mm-hmm. Throughout the world, people rejoice as a horrible secular regime in the Middle East is replaced by yet another peace-loving band of ragtag human rights campaigners and child beheaders motivated by a desire to subdue the armies of Rome in an apocalyptic confrontation in Dubik. The chemicals for the previous red-line attack in Syria have since been proven to come from Libya with U.S. approval, but that's probably not relevant to this case. The CIA has released declassified report after declassified report showing that the plan to topple Syria's government has been in the works for decades, but this just shows that they were right all along. The mainstream media unquestioningly asserts that the story is true because the U.S. government says so, but that's okay because we all know the MSM is full of unbiased truth-tellers and dig hard to get the raw facts on every story.
0: We see these beautiful pictures at night from the decks of these two U.S. Navy vessels in the eastern Mediterranean. I am
1: tempted to quote the great Leonard Cohen. I'm guided by the beauty of our weapons, um, and they are beautiful pictures. Even members of Congress think the story is a load of hogwash, but that's okay because they're probably crazy.
0: Because I don't, frankly, I don't think Assad would have done that. It does not serve his interests. It would tend to draw us into that civil war even further. Who, who, so, who do you
1: think, who do you think is behind it? You think you, who do you think is behind it? Meanwhile, the White House has released a report on its intelligence about the chemical attack that refutes its own version of the story. But that's okay because when has the White House ever lied people into war? This man doesn't exist, and if you think he does, you're an enemy of humanity who should apologize for having been born. Likewise, him, her, her, him, and him. And him and her. This is the 100% true story of the serious strikes, and if you support sites like the corporate report that question it in any way, you are a moonbeam, fake news, tyrant-loving hippie pinko Russian agent and should commit ritual suicide immediately. If you love your country and or liberty, NASCAR, supermodels, TV, water slides, or your mother, you will not question this story in any way. Ever. This message has been brought to you by the friends of the Brookings Institute, Raytheon, Genie Oil, Oded you ICI Asus, and the New York Times. Because ignorance is strength.
0: That's a wrap for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. You can find me on patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets, bitcoinandmarkets.com for all the show notes and stuff. Uh, contact me on Twitter through the website, Uh, lots, or through Patreon, there's a lot of ways to get a hold of me, and thanks, see you next time, peace.